Good morning. It's good to see you, brothers and sisters. My name is Jason Davis. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Charleston Baptist. Um, I get the pleasure of preaching this morning. I, I always enjoy it, uh, but I'll be honest, it's always a heavy uh, weight the week of, and uh, you can ask Pastor Kevin. Uh, I know he uh, has said the same thing, but uh, preparing is a great joy, but it's also a great task that both of us and all who preach should take very seriously. And and we're looking in uh, the book of Galatians uh, this morning. So we're continuing that series, and we're going to be reading through uh, chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 5. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, in the chair in front of you, uh, there should be a blue Bible. Uh, you take that and open up to 1075, uh, Galatians chapter 3. And as we've been seeing, as we've been looking through Galatians, it's an amazing book. And Paul is addressing an issue in the churches of Galatia. So there's uh, issues, there are problems that are going on, and he's writing this letter, and it's not to one person, it's not to a church, but it's to churches in this region, because there is a great problem that is going on that he's addressing here. Before we get into that, uh, let's read Galatians uh, 1 through 5. It says this, O foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Let us pray. Father, I just pray, Lord, as we study your word, as your word is preached, Father, that it would go out, that your Holy Spirit would use it. Lord, you would use it to challenge us. You would use it to convict us. You would use it to draw us into a right relationship with you. Father, I thank you for Paul's boldness. I thank you for preserving your word, that we may have it, that we may have a defense of our own faith. Father, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I have a question for you. And this morning we're going to be looking at a lot of questions. Uh, Paul, when he's addressing the church, churches in Galatia, he, he addresses them uh, in this chapter with a lot of different questions. He's asking them uh, some rhetorical questions. Questions that they should know the answer to. And I think about my own experience when growing up, uh, uh, Robbie, my youth pastor growing up, uh, there are times where he needed to correct me. And he would ask me questions that he knew I already knew the answer to. But he was asking me so that I would hear the answer and then apply it and make the necessary changes. There are times in, in our lives where we need to be spoken into a way where it wakes us up, it jars us, it helps us to get out of the routine and it opens our eyes to what we may be struggling with. I also think about uh, Paul's tone here because he says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? These are very harsh, very, not very harsh, but very tough terms, very um, hard to hear uh, words that he speaks to these churches. But he does it in love. And I think about it in terms with my own kids and how there are times where we're getting out of the car. And I have four kids, by the way, uh, 10, 7, 4, and 2. 
and we're getting out of the car. And as we get out, uh, one may choose, I got hands, or my wife will have hands, and we're telling them, don't run, don't run. It's a parking lot, you're in a parking lot, don't run. But some, every now and then, one will take off because they want to get to the door first, or they want to get inside first. They want to be the first. And all they're thinking about is self. They're thinking about me and have no understanding of what's going on around them. And what parents, at least what we try to be good parents, and as they are running away, my voice will rise. My tone will sharpen. And I will speak, them to, speak to them in a way that it gets their attention. Why? Not because I'm mad at them. Not because I'm angry with them. Because I am concerned for their safety. I have great concern for them. I have great love for them. And so the way I speak to them is going to be a little bit different because I need their attention right now. And if I don't get it right now, it could be disastrous for them. And this is Paul's tone. This is how he's speaking to the Galatians here in chapter 3. I need your attention right now. Listen to me. The path you're going down is devastating. The path you're leaving is the path of grace and you're going toward works. Because in the church of, churches of Galatia, there was, a, um, there was false teaching that was going around. And it was called the Judaizers. And what they would do is they wouldn't necessarily deny the gospel. They wouldn't necessarily deny Christ, but they would say Christ plus. Now you have to believe in Christ. You, have to, you believe the Christ, but you also need circumcision. You also need the works of the law. And say they would say, Christ plus. And Paul would say, no. No, listen up. And so for this morning, I have questions for you. Number one is, are you being deceived? Now, we live in a culture, thinking about just this past week, the things that have come down from the Supreme Court, the things that you may have been reading on your social media platform from people that you thought were believers but are thinking differently or leaders, um, political leaders that you thought were on one side but now are showing themselves to be another. We live in such an age where you have to be on guard. Because I think about this passage when, I, when he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Who is he talking to? He is talking to believers. He is talking to the Christians in these churches in this region. And he's saying, oh, foolish Galatians. And this idea of foolish is not in the sense of you're, you're not inte uh, intelligent enough to understand. It's not that your IQ is not great enough so that you can understand the gospel. No, it's that you are foolish because you have seen it and now you're denying it. You have seen Christ uh, publicly crucified and now you're, you're going to say that's not enough. You're going to walk away from that. You're turning from that. Oh, foolish Galatians, just think about the church in America. And my heart is grieved, honestly grieved, when I hear churches will say Christ, yes, Christ in their name, but they will attack on a lot of other things to that for salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone. Are you being deceived? We have to be aware of this. And then he says, who has bewitched you or who has tricked you? Who has fooled you? Who has pulled the wool over your eyes? Who has hoodwinked you to make you leave the God who saved you to go and try to work for your salvation? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And what Paul is telling the church in Galatia is here is that I preached the truth to you. I told you the truth so much so, so vividly, it was as if he was crucified for you, before your very eyes. As if you were there watching the crucifixion, you saw it with your very mind's eye, so to speak. This eye is publicly portrayed uh, in the Greek has this idea of a placard, an announcement that goes before everyone. And, and in studying and hearing the definition of publicly portrayed, uh, that idea is almost, in a sense, like a billboard where it was before you. It was vivid in front of you. And how could you believe that? He's saying it's almost as if you've been charmed. Who has bewitched you? See, the... He is going to defend the gospel. He has been defending through chapter 1 and 2. He has been talking about the gospel and his experience with the gospel. And now he's going to turn the focus. It was on him and his experience with the gospel, his proclamation of the gospel. And then he shifts focus to the Galatians and where they're at. Brothers and sisters, I ask you this morning to take God's word serious. Because we live in a culture that wants to bewitch us. In a sense, though you can believe anything and everything you want, that truth is relative, that truth is whatever you define it to be, when we know it is not that case. That there is a defined way to live, there's a defined way to believe, God has defined the way to be worshipped, and we don't get to change that. We don't get to make it up as we would like. And he's warning them, and he's using their experience to build a guard against this bewitchment, this fooling, this idea of that they can be justified by their works. He's trying to build their guard up. Hey, listen, pay attention because you're gonna need a defense from the Judaizers. And guess what, brothers and sisters? You and I, we need a defense of the gospel. No matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're a student, a young adult, a senior adult, no matter what stage of life you're in, you need to be on guard. Be ready to give a defense of the gospel. And then he continues on, and that's in verse, uh, that was uh, verse one. But he preached uh, and he, he, he exemplifies who Christ is and he publicly portrays it before them. And then he also does this in Corinthians to get a, a more a bigger picture of what is what is Paul said to the churches there. Uh, we can look in First Corinthians. He says this, First Corinthians one twenty three through twenty four. It says, "But we preach Christ crucified." Paul was not, in a sense, a creative genius. He didn't want to be. He wanted to be known really for one thing, and it's preaching Christ crucified. And my prayer is that Charleston Baptist Church will always be known for preaching Christ crucified. That no matter what we do, whether it be music camp, sports, whatever we do outside of these walls, that we are known for doing this, preaching Christ crucified. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then you continue on a few verses down, 26 through 30. 
For consider, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. He's saying it's not because of you. It wasn't because you were so smart, you were so intellectual, or that you had the money, that you had the power. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Look at that. That when you and I are in the presence of God, we have nothing to boast about except for Christ and him alone. That you did nothing to earn it. That you did nothing to advance the kingdom except that God used you. That God empowered you. That it is God's power that does it. This is the same message that he was preaching to the churches in Galatia. In verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For the Galatians, their defense, their guard, was going to be partly, not totally, but partly their experience with the Lord. That they knew who they were. Again, this morning, think about you. I think about myself. I know myself that I'm not smart enough to know to follow God. I don't have the intellect to be able to figure God out, to know the way to salvation. I know I'm not consistent enough to work my way to salvation, right? Does anybody else feel that way where you, you know that you fail in many ways, that you set out on a plan? Anybody ever started a diet plan and didn't finish it? right? Anybody ever started a reading plan and didn't finish it? Or for me, I start this book. Well, I didn't finish that one. Put that one on the shelf. I'll start this one. Or it sits on my desk for weeks and weeks and months and months. And a year later, someone will say, ah, you're still working on that one, right? Uh, Because we're inconsistent. We don't have the, I don't even have the consistency to read an entire book sometimes. Now I'll just put it to the side. Man, God is so powerful, that he is so good, that he is willing to work through you and me, even in our weaknesses and in our failures. That's where he is strong and we are weak. That's where he used things that the world would never think to use, the people that the world would never think to use. But he will use you. We think we have to be powerful. We have to make a name for ourselves so that the gospel can go out. But here it says, no, absolutely not. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble worth. Not many were wise according to the world. It wasn't their deeds that that showcased the gospel, that proclaimed the gospel. And Paul himself, though he was a brilliant man, he, he, he simplified it to the point of preaching Christ crucified. That was his message. That was his goal. Your testimony of the work of God in you, bringing you to salvation, is one to guard against this deceit, this bewitchment, this trickery that is going on, even in our own culture today. Why would we leave? Am I smart enough to figure out a different way that is better? 
I think about someone who I've grown up with. I won't mention their name, but growing up with them, we grew up in church together. And as we've grown up, we've uh, very much parted ways on the way we think. And this person has grown up and uh, their job is in a, a very um, public arena, very um, almost like a Hollywood type arena that this person works in. And they've been constantly influenced and infiltrated with, bombarded with a particular message of the world. And what they have come to proclaim is that they are not a believer. And it really breaks my heart. And what it is is a constant repetition of false teaching, of a false understanding, and not being on guard. And what I think about that is, one, my heart break for, breaks for that person. But on two, I think about myself. Could I be that? Could I go to that level? And I think about what would I leave Jesus for? What would I leave him for? Would I leave him for myself, for myself to be God? Absolutely not. I know my sins. I know my failures, right? What would I leave my Jesus for? What would I leave the truth of Scripture for? And I come back with there's nothing. There's nothing I can leave it for because he is the author of truth. He's the author of life. Are you being deceived, tricked, or bewitched? And maybe there's someone in your life that needs to speak very bluntly to you. Or maybe you need to be that person that speaks very bluntly to a brother and sister in Christ and say, no, that is not right. That is not in accord with God's word. Or are you prioritizing things that are of little eternal value over things that have significant eternal value? Because that's another deceit. That's another path of we prioritize things that we think are important, that think are good. And in some aspects, they can be. I love sports. I love playing sports. And I think they can be a great thing. But they also can be a God thing for some people. They can become an idol for some people. And they need to be deprioritized. Other things need to be lifted up to the right priority. What is that in your life? Are there things that you got out of balance where it is of utmost important that this and this happens when really does it have eternal value? Those are things that we need to be thinking through, questions that we need to think through. And then we look through uh, verses two through four. What is the foundation of your salvation? For many of you, this may be old news and say, Man, I've been there, done that, I've heard that. All right, I can check out. I can go ahead and start thinking about my grocery list for the day. I can go ahead and start thinking about going on the boat or getting outside, going swimming. I can check out because I've already, I already know this. What is my foundation of salvation? Oh, easy answer, faith, right? We've been in church long enough, but guess what? The Galatians had heard it too. They had heard the truth and they had responded to the truth in faith. But yet they were beginning to be bewitched. They were beginning to leave the truth for something else. And so believers, brothers and sisters, I encourage you, stay with me for a little longer. It says, let me ask you, in verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Again, these are rhetorical questions that they know the answer to. Are you so foolish Verse 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? 
did you receive the Spirit by works? This idea to receive is not in the sense of like I've received a paycheck. That I've been working all week and now on Friday I get my, uh, my paycheck. I received that paycheck. No, that's not the idea that Paul is going here. When they received the Holy Spirit, it is like as if they stood there and it was given to them. I think about even this morning, a faithful brother blessed myself and my family with a, a, a gift. I'm not sure what it is, but he blessed my family with a gift and it, I didn't do anything to earn it. And there have been many times in my life where this has happened, where a brother and a sister saw a need in my family and I didn't earn it. I didn't go work for it. I didn't do anything for it. But by God's grace, they gave it and I received it. And that's what's happening here to the, the Galatians is did you receive the spirit did you just did you work for it or was it given did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith the answer is by hearing with faith by hearing with faith that they heard and believed ephesians 1 13 through 14 in him you also when you heard the truth the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory Did you hear that you heard the word of truth that's why the preaching of the word is so important that's what we do here, preaching of the word. But that's what you do in your homes. That's what you do in your work. That's what we do to those of our neighbors is we preach the word. We tell others about the word of truth. We are not to be silent. Our faith is not private. It is public. It is a public proclamation of the gospel. Paul was not a private man. He was a very public man. And he just said that he proclaimed him publicly. He was publicly portrayed as crucified before you, not privately. That this idea that Christianity should be just a, a private thing is a false understanding of the truth, is that we are to publicly proclaim the truth of the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him. That they heard, they believed, and then what does it say? We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit that they were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, that they could no longer lose their salvation because their salvation wasn't based in them to begin with. They, they heard and they believed and then received the Holy Spirit and are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. When you are facing doubt in your own mind, in your own heart, remember the words of truth that God spoke through Paul, through the Ephesians, through to the Galatians that you and I are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that he is the guarantor of our faith, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Our salvation is not for us, it's to his glory. What an amazing truth. And then in verse three, he says, are you so foolish? I almost get a sense, are you serious? Are you serious right now? You really, really coming at me with this? I'm really having to address this issue right now? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That you started with the Spirit. That 
men and women, guys and girls, listen, you didn't start it yourself. You know the truth. You've begun in the spirit and now you want to think you can do better by adding to it? That you want to do better by saying, I can work for this salvation. I can earn it. Because guess what? That's what every other world religion says, is that you earn your salvation. That you do enough good deeds to be approved by God or go to some other place. To get to heaven, you have to do the good things. Well, God says, no, you can't do enough good things, but I can work through you. I can make you new. I can transform you. I can change you. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who began, who began the, the work in them? It is God. Philippians 6, 1 through 6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of, of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. And you see his great love for the churches that he ministered to. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with, uh, yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with the knowledge and discernment and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That it is the indwelling, the spirit is what begins the good work. And then verse 11, filled with the, the fruit of righteousness that comes through their good deeds, their works. No, it is through Christ, through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. That our good deeds, our righteousness comes through him, through the work of Christ. Because of his praise and his glory, it all goes there. And then he asks another question. Is did you suffer in vain? Did you suffer in vain? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain? And this idea of, in, in these churches, it could be an idea of an experience. Did you have this experience? Or it could be this idea of suffering, that they were mistreated, they were harassed. And did you all that, did you do all that, suffer all that in vain? If indeed it was in vain. And he, he leaves us that clause of hope there. That if, if it isn't in vain. Because he, he, he goes on in earlier in this book, in chapter 2, he, if the belief in Christ, preaching Christ is crucified, if that's not true, then he preaches in vain. He preaches with, without any true hope. And see, there is true hope in Christ. It is not vanity. It is not in vain that you suffer. It is not in vain that we put our faith in Christ and may, fear, uh, may experience uh, persecution. So, what is the foundation of your salvation? It is faith. It is faith. It is not works. And then closing out this section where he's justifying, he's given a defense for justification by faith. Justification by faith. How are you blessed by God? How are you blessed by God? Galatians 3, 5 says this, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
does he, God, who supplies, he gives abundantly, gives richly, gives without care of holding back, but he gives an overflow. He who gives the spirit to you in abundance to work you, to work in you, to work miracles among you. Was that done by works of the law or by hearing by faith? Again, by hearing by faith. I want to encourage you this morning is to think through what do you believe and why do you believe it? What would you leave Christianity for? What would you leave the God who has come to you to save you, the one who has given himself his death, burial, and resurrection so that you may have life? What would you leave that God for? What do you have blinders on? And maybe you need to ask some people around you, are there blinders on me? Are there ways that I'm thinking or that I believe that are not in line with Scripture? And would you be humble enough to receive the, tr- the truth of that? Because it can be hard to receive the truth. Again, I think about my experience with Ravi and how when he asked me questions or when he, re- he would re- rebuke me or correct me in a way that was not typical of him, it was hard to hear. But the only way it would make a difference is if I chose to humble myself and listen. And if I chose to humble myself and apply the truth that he was pointing me toward, the only way this is going to make a difference for the Galatians, if they're willing to humble themselves and say, you're right, we see now. We see how we are showing that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was all in vain if we choose to go this path. If we choose to go the path of works, that we can earn our salvation, that we are rejecting the truth of the gospel, we understand that now, and we're going to change. My prayer is that we would make the necessary changes, that we would do what is right before God. So are you being deceived? What is the foundation of your salvation, and how are you blessed by God? It is through the Spirit. It is not through your works. We don't earn the blessing of God. We are given the blessing of God. We receive the blessing of God, but we do never earn it. Salvation comes by faith, by grace through faith. Are you willing to receive that simple message this morning? My hope is that you have seen Paul's words here and how passionate he was about it. He says, oh, foolish Galatians,